If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job podcast on Believe. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am so excited to be joined today by managing producer, host, and reporter for the Indianapolis Colts, Lara Overton. Lara talks about keeping the hunger to learn no matter how far you get, storytelling, the NFL offseason in quotes, and so, so much more. It's a great one, so please make sure to subscribe, rate, review, and enjoy. Lara, thank you so much for joining me for Get My Job. I have been so excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited that after having a conversation during Combine Week, we're finally able to make it happen. Me too, and we are in what everybody says is the off-season, and that's something (laughs) I definitely want to talk about as we move later into the podcast but the the combine at this point was well over a month ago we are coming up on the draft when this episode is being recorded and when this episode airs it's the week before and it's just bananas that we're, we're finally here but let's start by jumping into you and your professional journey and how you got to the Colts what a journey it has been i started my first you know quote unquote real job in TV was a little a little over six months after I graduated from college and started working at the Fox affiliate in Louisville, Kentucky, WDRB, but was not on air. I was actually an associate producer working on the morning show. So I worked 2.30 to 10.30 a.m., working on the assignment desk, listening to police scanners, writing scripts, helping with, de- with uh, guests on the morning show, running the teleprompter. But what that afforded me the opportunity to do was I was in the door, so I used my nights and weekends, since I had those free, being that my primary responsibilities were on the morning show, I worked with our sports department and would go in to help or to work on, and they would help me get better with my shooting and editing and turning packages. So I would do coverage for high school football and basketball on Fridays and Saturdays. I would help with college football on Saturdays as well, and eventually put together enough of a resume reel that in 2009, I started doing some sideline reporting for Big Ten Network, covering IU and Purdue football, and did that in the fall, went back to, you know, was simultaneously working my regular job uh, Mm -hmm. on the morning show. And then that next summer was hired to be the weekend sports anchor and sports reporter in Terre Haute, Indiana at WTWO. Spent a year there. 
continued doing freelance for Big Ten Network. And that eventually brought me to Indianapolis. And when I came to Indy, I did not have a full-time job. I had a lot of different freelance opportunities that I was pursuing and a really great network of people who people who were willing to help me and connect me. So moved to Indy and just figured I would try to kind of piece things together and keep meeting with people and knock on doors to figure out what opportunities were there and started working for the Indiana Pacers as an in-game MC, doing in-game interviews, and then eventually doing Pacers.com reports, and then started working for the Fox affiliate here in Indianapolis, WXIN, on their morning show. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at Bet Online. Updated odds from everything NBA playoffs right up to the championships. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at Bet Online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your bonus. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. It always came back to the morning show. I could never get away from the overnight (laughs) shift. And I actually worked for three years as the traffic reporter on the morning show. But what, again, I was doing was helping out in the sports departments over the weekends when they would need people to do weekend evening anchoring where, you know, they would have typical their their usual weekend anchors might be out on the road covering games you know it was pacers playoffs or it was colts regular season colts playoff different things like that so i would jump in and got more and more experience um on the desk and anchoring and with all of that so eventually when there was a full-time opportunity with the sports department that presented itself i was able to work in as the weekday sports reporter and do some weekend anchoring as well and then along the way within that you know, same role, I was doing quite a bit of freelance for the Indianapolis Colts. I was hosting a weekly show. I was the preseason sideline reporter for their TV broadcasts for a couple of years. So that gave me a little bit of an insight and perspective on working within an organization and what that role might look like. And then in July of 2019, I was able to uh, come in, come in house full time, uh, work within the organization, accepted a full time role with the Colts as managing producer, host, and reporter. So that is the journey to this point. Well, I want to go back because you said a lot that's very important and very interesting, and that I want to highlight. You talked about here you were working from two thirty in the morning till ten thirty in the morning. Probably not the most ideal hours ever, but then, <laughs> obviously you it was your start. You were doing that. And then later in the evening, we're helping out with sports and, and talking to the sports team and becoming better, as you said, shooting, editing, everything that you needed to mm-hmm. do. And I want to highlight that because I do think in today's day and age, we have a lot of a couple really cool things going on. We have the internet, we have social media, and someone can start, and I know this from personal experience because I did it, someone can start a blog, <laughs> a website, a podcast, yes. maybe. Uh, so you can start doing things on social media. But the flip side of that is there's a, you can just start doing it. And oftentimes you were doing it on your own to start. So you need to know how to do so many things. Then when you go to different positions, you want to be able to say, yes, you can do all these things. So kind of what was that like? What was that drive to do so much because I'm sure you were exhausted, but at the end of the day, 
that got you to where you needed to be. And it feels like that was kind of your dream. That alarm would go off at one o'clock in the morning, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and you would be, you know, jumping right into it. And you wanted to be at your best. You're trying to, you know, really make an impression and pave the path. And these are people who are investing in you as well, right? As, as committed as you are to doing all these different things, you have people who are showing you the way and who are training you and who are teaching you. So you want to be putting your best forward for them as well. So for me, it was, I think I was so curious that was part of it. I wanted to know all of the facets of what it took to not just make a show possible, but make a show, make a report, make your package, you know, make that sports report or, you know, that sports segment really good. And what I started to learn and had the opportunity to learn early on because of that experience at WDRB was that the better you are at each facet of putting the story together, the better the on-air presentation of it is, the better your writing is, the better you are at voicing your story or at reading the highlights or reading a script, or you just feel more more confident when you're bantering or you're ad-libbing and it's something that isn't scripted. And the more knowledgeable you are of what happened in the game because you shot and edited it, the more competent you are to be the one that's delivering it. So that was something that I really found a passion for through that process was storytelling in a number of different ways. It isn't always storytelling by reporting it or anchoring it or fronting it. There's storytelling by videography and by editing and by writing. And I think that all of that contributed to where I am now and the producing role because I love being able to tell a story that I'm completely behind the scenes on in some points and allowing the subjects of the story, allowing them to really drive the presentation of it and drive the content. Those are things that I think have always intrigued me about the process in general. I love the researching aspect of preparing for game day or preparing for an interview and wanting to be involved in every step of the way. And another lesson I learned by having the perspective of working in a control room during a live broadcast was I had an understanding of exactly what the producer and the director were dealing with from their side trying to you know keep the show on the tracks especially when you have things that are unexpected going on when you have breaking news on a newscast or when you have an injury or you know something unexpected that happens over the course of a game well in terms of being someone who might be reporting or anchoring the greater understanding I have of what's happening on the other side allows me to be more prepared and to communicate more effectively. For example, if it is a situation where now I'm in a game and I'm sideline reporting, I can more effectively relay and know what a producer and a director might be looking for to then set up the report to be better. Whereas if I only knew the one facet of what I needed, 
that mm-hmm. would be more difficult to communicate to them, or maybe the story wouldn't be as in- impactful because I wasn't able to tell the director where to look for a particular shot or where someone was that we needed to get a shot from a camera of, or I wasn't able to tell the producer, hey, this, it, it seems like that this injury, or I'm being told that this injury or this particular situation that we want to expound upon, it happened and, you know, at this point in this, you know, in the second quarter, you know, it was 945 to go or, you know, it was the the second drive, you know, of the game, whatever it is. I can be more specific in helping them go to where they need to be. And then that makes everyone's jobs better and that it better serves the audience when you're able to do those things. So I think really being ingrained in the process and really being fascinated by all of it has helped me gain that greater understanding. And I think that that's something for those who are starting out in this business in any facet is to just never lose that hunger to continue learning Mm -hmm. and that passion for just being able to figure out different areas of the business and different areas of media that can contribute to making your overall product even better. So when you got to the Colts, kind of along those lines, that was probably a transition. You were doing local sports. You've been doing sidelining with the Big Ten. Oh, Network. Yeah. Now you're in-house with the team in a producer role or host role or reporter role. What was that transition like and what were things you needed to learn with that? Oh, it's a great question. Luckily, I'd been in the market for a number of years. So I didn't have to learn all of the I knew the team, you knew the people, you knew the personalities. And that's from the coach and player perspective, that's knowing a lot of the production team, because having worked for an affiliate, I would be here, you know, three days a week or whatever it is. So mm-hmm. knew all of the videographers and the editors and uh, the radio team and all of that. The biggest role or the, the I think the biggest things I learned in coming in was I learned so much more about producing and what producing entails. And that went from, you know, coordinating, coordinating logistics on the travel because, you know, we would go and we would shoot stories and suddenly I was, and I really actually love this part of it, you know, looking at booking flights and coordinating hotels and thinking about, okay, what weeks are we going to try to go do these different stories? Because as we alluded to earlier, you know, truly no off season, we use the NFL off season to do things like go and tell stories of players, go to their hometowns for a particular series that we work on. Or this year with our docu-series that covers the draft with the next pick, we had our videographers on the road with our scouts going to pro days and going through that process. So we're coordinating all of that and you know mapping out those things. So there were a lot of those kind of logistical areas that I jumped into that suddenly became a part of my job that I didn't have experience doing before. Also, a lot of our content are, you know, for Colts.com, all of our social platforms that we produce through Colts Productions, it's very player-driven. It's personality-driven from the coaches, the players, the characters that are involved. It's much less so having a narrator or a presenter to things. Now we do a weekly TV show and I host that, or, you know, I'm reporting on game days as our sideline reporter for our radio and TV broadcasts, radio during regular season TV for the preseason. But a lot of it is learning how to interview and ask questions from a perspective that allows 
those prominent voices to carry the story to where you don't need a script. You don't need voiceover to bridge everything together. So I had to start realizing how to prompt whoever it is, players, coaches, front Mm -hmm. office staff, scouts, our GM, whoever, in a way that allows them to completely narrate the entirety of the story. And then we don't have to do any, you know, the basically the less post-production that we can do, the better, because it's more organic. It's being told in the voices of those who are experiencing it. There's a series we do called Director's Cut, where we have players break down their own plays. And so what I have to do is... Oh, yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. one of my favorites. So we'll what we'll do is we'll put the play and, and usually we'll have a couple of lead up things, but show a number of different angles and have the player break down a particularly impactful play or game changing type of play. And what I have to do is make sure that I am setting up questions and prompting him in a way that you know, one makes it so he's saying this is the situation, right? Mm-hmm. It was it's third and eight and we're seeing this particular look from the defense or, you know, whatever it is, or, you know, it's the last play of the game. I'm thinking about, we did one of these with Stefan Gilmore last season about his game clinching play in Denver. It was a huge pass breakup. So I have to be sure I'm setting him up to narrate exactly the situation and give a lot of detail without doing, without tipping things off, without showing too much, right? We can't give any anything away from specifics, but also making it in a way that's conversational for the audience to digest. So with that, it's being able to know how to produce series and produce content that accomplishes a lot of different things because we have so many different you know, platforms and different kind of franchises, if you will, within Colts productions of things that we do. Uh, So being able to be adaptable that regard. And then it's also working in media for a team where you have an understanding of what is within the realm that you're in a position to report Mm -hmm. and the things that you might be in a position of having knowledge of that are not for you to report and how how to find that balance of being a team outlet, but still being a good journalist, but also being someone who you're underneath that umbrella of making sure we're supporting the missions and the goals of the Indianapolis Colts, rather than being someone who it's just, you know, my... My objective is my reporting. It's a little bit different maybe than it is if you're someone who is independent or, you know, affiliated with a network or, you know, a local station or a broadcast outlet. And is that ever difficult? I mean, obviously it's part of the deal and it's part of your job and you're right. Your job is for sure a big part of your job is protecting the Indianapolis Colts. You you work for the Colts, but is it ever difficult? Are there ever times you're like, oh, I really wish I could share this. It would be so great, but you just can't do it. The trade-off is well worth it. There's so yeah. many of other that, that come with the territory that you are able to enjoy that I, I think that you're able to find that healthy balance. I don't think that ever goes away, right? That's in your core as a journalist. Right. But I think that what you do is over time, you find a way to develop in being able to 
find other ways to tell unique stories. So you may not be breaking news in the typical sense that we think about injuries or contracts or whatever it might be, or, you know, different situations as it pertains to game days. But I've found that on Sundays, the audience that is tuning in to our Colts broadcasts, our game day broadcasts, are probably going to be our most invested, most educated fans. They've read all the newspaper articles. They've listened to the podcast. They've listened to all the radio interviews. They've watched the TV shows. How am I bringing them something unique when we get to game days? How am I finding stories within the games or preparing things over the course of the week that I think will be relevant to game day. So for example, a running back in a particular situation paired something on, this is why Holtz wanted to use Zach Moss in third down situations or, you know, whatever it is, what did they do in practice that led them to do X? So it's, it's not breaking news, how we typically think about breaking news, but it is providing something unique that maybe our viewers or in this, you know, aspect listeners, our Colts fans aren't getting elsewhere. So trying to dig a little bit deeper with that sideline reporting that gives them something unique. Yes, it's not breaking news, but I do feel that there is a lot of value in what I'm able to contribute from that aspect. And that satiates a little bit of that appetite to have something unique that might be exclusive, you know, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. to what you're getting from an outside perspective. So although those reporters who, you know, work for local affiliates or work for networks or the newspapers and dot coms, you know, maybe they are able to, quote unquote, break other stories. Well, what does that allow me the opportunity to do because of the position of being inside, being able to watch practices and know certain situational or, you know, very nuanced aspects of of practices of the week of our personnel that might be relevant come game day. And there have been times, Tracy, that I've prepared certain nuggets that haven't been relevant until eight weeks later. You know, I, I've looked mm-hmm. at something and for whatever reason, it just didn't present itself. Yeah, I go in every game with 10 to 12 pages of notes prepared. I use a fraction of them. Uh, not because not because they they weren't the right things to prepare, but because you're using a few of those, and then you're also pretty much eighty percent of the content is just coming from thinking on your feet, reacting to what's happening. Absolutely, and and being there every day, obviously in your position, you have the access as a part of the team, and it does help prepare you for the coming weeks. And I find that even as a beat reporter, I'm at practice you know, every day we're at everything, but not everything I see, let's say in September, some of that isn't until November that I use it. Some of the stuff stuff I pick up at the combine, stuff I pick up at the owner's meetings that I'm not going to be able to use for a while, but becomes invaluable later on down the road. And that is something that I'm really glad that you highlighted because I do think we live in this world of, I got to be first and I got to do it fast, all these things. But That's not always the case. And sometimes your best stuff is going to be the stuff that you've been preparing for quite some time. Exactly. And I feel like that the payoff of that is almost better than the immediacy of getting to something first, right? There's a lot of pressure that goes with trying to be first and be accurate on something, right? I feel like that the investment to me is something that I really love because sometimes you you start working on a story and you're building and you're digging and 
it becomes even a better story than what you intended, or you're building a rapport with whoever it is. And you initially start thinking, oh, I would love to know more about this one thing. And because you have five, six, seven conversations with that person, you learn something that's way better than what you were initially even going in for. 100%. And and we're going to get to day in the life in a little bit, which I think is going to be super fun. But I want to talk a little bit about the off season. And the reason I bring up day in the life in conjunction with that is because I think for most people, the season's over and, and it's the off season and people say to me all the time. So what are, what do you do during the off season? And I always say, well, there's really not an off season two weeks after the Mm -hmm. Super Bowl combine free agency starts two weeks later then I have the owners meetings at the end of March and then getting ready for the draft. And then it's the draft and it's rookie minicamp and then it's OTAs and blah, blah, blah. And so for us, you know, the big break is during, there's that kind of that six week day break during the summer. But I would love for you to talk a little bit about your off season, quote unquote off season, because you, all those things I mentioned, you also have to do. And yeah. just talk about kind of what your days are like, because it's not like for you when the season ends, you're not, you don't stop going to work. Exactly. It's a full-time job. And I'm so grateful for that because of the stability and, you know, all of all of that there is to that. And I also I love, I'm so fortunate to have this opportunity that I look forward to coming in in the off season. And that's where we do so much of the planning and the building for what we're going to do, whether it's during the season or it's over the course of the offseason, because As you and I know, it's a constant news cycle and people are looking for NFL news year round constantly, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's free agency, it's draft, it's the schedule release. That's an event of its own. Oh, yes, it is. It's it's all of those things. Um, And I love that. I I love that there is such a demand for it and that our, you know, fans and I don't just mean Colts fans, fans of the NFL are so passionate So what we're doing typically this time of year is producing our draft series. It's called With the Next Pick. We'll have two parts that will go out this year. One leads up to the draft and then one covers the draft and recaps. And we go into the war room on draft night. We're part of draft meetings, all of that. So as soon as the season ends, and actually even before the season ends, we start talking about how we are going to do that like what what we're going to bring unique that we haven't shown before mm-hmm. so that's always a challenge that we have as we are planning the off season i do a weekly podcast our voice of the colts matt taylor hosts our weekly podcast I have a couple of guys that we jump in on as well my colleagues jj stankovitz jeffrey gorman we do that combine is in indianapolis so that's a huge opportunity for us to stack a lot of content do a ton of interviews that bridge that period from end of combine through draft weekend so when we're kind of looking at my week as a whole mondays are really heavy on planning and meetings and looking to what we have to tackle that week strategizing and because i you know i have a producing role within our content and production department, I have to, on Mondays, be sure that we're meeting with all of the other aspects, meeting with the social media team, meeting meeting with our radio team, meeting with graphics, meeting with, you know, dot com, making sure we're all on the same page of what's going on and what different needs are, graphic design, all of those things, because, hey, we're working on a piece. Oh, we need certain graphics for that. 
it is a huge team collaboration. I mean, it's not so different from a locker room, you know, when you're thinking of everybody on the defense needs to know front to back what each other is doing and rely on everyone else, trust everyone else, you know, to be able to do their jobs. So that's kind of how it works. And then on Tuesday, we jump heavy into doing some content. That's when we do the podcast. So on Monday, I'm making sure the way uh, our setup, if I'm coordinating who the guest is that week, all of those things, Wednesday in the off season, once players are back in the building as they are now, we have content that day. So, you know, we have media availability that we're covering. There's no open locker room right now. They just bring guys to the media room, uh, whether it's coaches, you know, coaches and coordinators or head coach and coordinators, uh, players, all of that cover that things start to tail off a little bit Thursday to Friday. But, you know, we always, when you're part of an organization, there's so many things that happen year round. For example, last night I was emceeing the Colts cheer auditions showcase. So that's something, you know, that we cover. There are community events that are year round that we're covering, uh, doing all of those. And then one of the, you know, kind of going back to the no off season point is when you have a season where you hire a new head coach and a new coaching staff, Mm -hmm. those all become, that almost is a, a mini season within a season. So that's something else that we were heavily involved in. And we knew as soon as the season ended, that would be a factor because we had an interim head coach going into the off season. So the full process of that. So keeping tabs on that and then also making sure, you know, we covered Jane's first day and strategizing on how we were covering that, him coming in the building, his first team meetings, getting interviews with everyone, with all the new staff members and those new additions. So those are just a few elements of kind of what I'm trying to game plan for over the course of, of a week. So Mondays and Tuesdays, pretty heavy. Wednesdays, a little more content creation and then things slightly level off from there. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I would love to in that. I, I would love to transition now to day in the life. And I, you know, you can do it a couple different ways. You could do a game day. You could do a weekday during the season. You could do both. But I think it'll be kind of fascinating for everybody to hear kind of what your week looked like in an off season and then a day in the life during the season. Yeah. So day in the life in season on game days and, you know, game days are the pinnacle of the week, right? That's what we're all working towards. So, and obviously those are, those are my favorite. And I am fortunate that we do travel for road games. So home and away, we're covering those. We're there. Um, Obviously we weren't in 2020. We did everything remotely that year. So finally back to full slate of being, you know, being there, boots on the ground every every game has been such a blessing. Um, but whether it's home or away, typically arrive four hours before kickoff. Mm-hmm. And first thing I'll do is touch base with our production crew. We we always travel a handful of people, multiple videographers, photographers, radio crew, all of that. Touch base with everyone who's on site. Um, you know, whether that's at home, we're full staff. Everybody works every game day at home. Um, and then we break up the travel among production. But touch base with them. I will be working with a videographer on game day because upon arrival at the stadium, we do an interview with the head coach. We hit on three to five big topics of the game that we're going to be looking forward to. And Tracy, in that aspect, there are certain times that I do get a little bit of a heads up, quote unquote, on some breaking news. Um, mm-hmm. If somebody who's questionable coming into the weekend um, is going to play or is not going to play 
coach might give me a heads up then so that I'm able to prepare or be aware, or at least when the inactives go up, I'm able to highlight, you know, this person will or won't play. So we are able to get that very, that's my last chance to get any little bit of last minute information preparation in uh, leading up to the game. So then I'll go back and I'll listen to that interview and refresh, um, uh, like my preparation, all my game day notes uh, to add in any of those last, you know, last minute tidbits, last minute information I've gotten. That interview gets posted um, on, you know, our, our all of our platforms, and then I'll go in and, and fine tune my notes based on inactives for that day. I'll review everything, and then about an hour before kickoff, um, I'll go down, walk around the field, um, chat with guys, get set get my headset on about 15 minutes prior to kickoff. And then we're off and running. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll always coordinate with Matt Taylor, our voice of the Colts on what I'm going to do for our pre-kick hit. Usually right after the national anthem, May Taylor set everything up and I'll have, you know, kind of some sort of an overarching type of report. It's some big storyline of the week or something very pertinent to that matchup that we're going to be watching for. And one of the things I love is over the course of a game, when you're on radio, it's a little bit more free, free flowing where Matt can at any point toss down to me, Hey, Lara, what did you see on that particular play? It's not quite as scripted or coordinated sometimes where, okay, you have to work with the producer, you know, like you do on TV. Okay. Producer needs to get either a camera to you or a camera to what you're acknowledging. And it's a little bit tighter. You know, it's a, it's a little more structured radio is very free flowing. And so that's one of the things that makes it really fun. So I'm on at all times because either Matt might impromptu toss it down to me or i might need to relay something to him um whether that's on air or off air when we're in a commercial break and i just want to tell him something directly um but you know constantly on the lookout so it it feels like that you're off and running um for throughout the course of the game um i will usually work with during the regular season whoever's the sideline reporter for the network broadcast I will chat with him or her so that we're able to share information because that person will get the coach at halftime. So I'll work with that person to, you know, get a couple of notes. Um, and it's awesome. There's such a great, you know, community of sideline reporters. Everyone's so willing to help each other out. Um, so that's really fun too, especially once you've been around a while and you get to know the most frequent reporters who are on your beat. Like I'm sure, right. You kind of know, a handful of games a year, the majority of games a year, you're going to get the same crew most often, you know, with, with certain situations and with certain divisions. So we we'll always do that second half. And then as soon as the game ends, if it's a victory, I grab a player on the field and interview him there, get an immediate reaction. And then I take off my, you know, live broadcast headset, throw on my other headset, which is my post-game locker room setup coordinate with our videographer. And as soon as locker room opens, we're in, you know, getting a handful, depending on the situation, probably about, you know, five post-game interviews and uh, making sure that we upload those uh, both video and audio for all of our platforms. And then within an hour or so of the game ending, we're back on the bus, Uh, you know, whether it's a road game, we're getting out or trying to pack stuff up and, and get home at the end of the day. So that's kind of a typical, you know, game day in season. I always love having everyone talk about game day. 
whether it be a, as you mentioned, a sideline reporter, a national reporter, a team reporter, a beat reporter, whoever we may be on this podcast, because it looks really fun and glamorous and it is really fun and we have really cool jobs, but it is a lot of work and it is a very long day and it is not just showing up in full hair and makeup and smiling for the camera. There is a lot yeah. that goes into it and that's a big part of it, but I always like our reporters to highlight that because game day is it's game day. It's a busy day. And I talk about this a lot on the podcast. People will say to me, can you come by my tailgate before? I definitely cannot. Oh. And I come and not even to like, it's not even like, oh, I can't drink. Like I have, to, I'm at the stadium four hours early. So I can't, at, oh, can you meet me right after the game for a drink? Definitely can't do that either. <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah, exactly. And if you don't know, you don't know. So I love how specific that was and how you highlighted that. So thank you so much for sharing that with our listeners. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's really, it's such a fun perspective. I, I always say that, you know, there are only so many people that get to be on the sidelines or get to be in any position, whether it's up in the press box or, you know, wherever it is in the locker rooms, in the media room, on the sidelines that you feel so fortunate. And it's such a privilege to be able to do that. You never take it for granted. You really don't. And I do have game days where I step out on the field and I'm like, wow, I do have a very, very cool job. And sometimes, yes. sometimes I forget how cool it is. And so I'm I know. very grateful. So thank you. Well, this has been amazing. Uh, it's just, I loved hearing everything from when you started to how you started to, to where you are today. So thank you for sharing that with us. But I can't let you go yet because we have to do <laughs> Uh, and awesome. five fun facts, as are my listeners, I'm sure, are sick of hearing me explain every week. But I do like our guests to know the genesis of it. It is something I started with 49ers players where we do it on video. And they share like five things about them that you wouldn't know. And they they get to pick. But on this podcast, we do it a little differently. And every week, we ask everybody the same five questions, which has been amazing. Because it is incredible how many different answers we get to the same five questions. So I love that. Yeah, it's 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 well for lack of a better word, it's really fun. So without further ado, five fun facts with Lara Overton. Lara, what is your favorite moment in sports? Favorite moment, and this is going to show the fact that I am a born and raised Indiana gal, a <laughs> Hoosier through and through. It was watching IU basketball go to the national championship game in 2002 when I was at IU. It was my freshman year. And it was this absolutely un epic run, total underdog story, and loved that team so much. And I feel like that it was one of those things that I was already such a fan, but then even more so, I became like a, a rabid fan and went to as many games as I could. And those are some of just like my favorite memories. And that's just, you know, such an impactful time in your life as well. Everything's so vivid. Um, and now it's wanting IU to get back to that place of being a national contender again. So every year I have, you know, that hope and that, you know, this is going to be the year. This is the positivity because it was so impressed upon me at that young age. Hey, this is the standard. We're just going to do this every year. We're going to make this unbelievable tournament run and be playing for a national championship year in and year out. As a Michigan alum, I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> what is your life motto? Life slash, this is a, a professional motto. Uh, I said this once to a group of students, coincidentally, at Indiana. They were asking about, about storytelling and about being a reporter. And I told them, it's not about you. 
And it sounds a little harsh, but what I wanted to instill in them was that in this position, you are here to tell someone else's story. I think so much in media, and there is a lot of self-promotion and branding, you know, that it takes to get to a certain position and to really, you know, market yourself well. But at the core, your work truly should be about putting that player, that coach, whoever it is, the person, whoever you are covering in the best position. And I mean, best position in terms of getting the best content, telling the best story, not necessarily a PR spin of making them appear to be the best, but doing the best job possible. And they were, when they were asking the question about, you know, how do I make sure when I'm asking questions, it's this way, or it sounds right, or this or that. And I just really wanted to instill in them what matters is getting the best answer or, you know, getting a better perspective, getting a greater understanding of who you're talking about, not necessarily worrying about how this question or how this story positions you. So that's my, that's kind of my, my motto. It's, it's not about you. And I feel like that, um, in this perspective, you know, in this position that I'm in, I always try to remind myself of that when sometimes and the majority of times you might never know that I had a hand in producing a piece or being behind the scenes on a piece. And really that's not what matters because some of the pieces I'm most proud of are content that I'm most proud of. You, you know, you might see my name is behind it, but it's not, ne- not necessarily something that my face is on. And it just reminds me of really what's important and making sure that we're telling really strong, impactful stories. That's a great one. And that's very important. A very Thank you for sharing that with us and with those students in Indiana. But that is very, <laughs> especially for young journalists that are listening and, and coming into to this business. What is your go-to workout? Running. First and foremost, for sure, running. Um, it is like my lifeblood. And then also addicted to Peloton. Love a good Peloton ride, um, especially with some Alex Toussaint hip hop. Uh, That will change your whole day. Just getting on and great music. Uh, Running Peloton. Those are my one-twos. Go-to coffee order. Uh, I'm a Starbucks gal. Uh, So I am mobile app order venti dark roast with one stevia and a splash of cream. Love it. And last but not least, a book every woman should read. Uh, this is like woman, man, whoever, young, old. I think it applies to so many different aspects. And that is whether you're someone who's passionate about sports or media or neither of those. Atomic Habits. It is a wonderful book that I first heard about from Frank Wright at the NFL Combine. And that's so fitting, but it is just all about doing small things and how those accumulate into having a positive impact on the rest of your life. Awesome. Lara, thank you so much for joining us. This has been really just a fantastic episode. Please let everyone know where they can find you. Thank you so much. At Lara Overton, L-A-R-R-A-O-V-E-R-T-O-N. That's on Instagram and on Twitter. And I promised myself I'd get better about posting stuff on Facebook as well. So when that's up and running, I will push that over as well. Fantastic. And if you guys like what you heard, and I know you did, please make sure to give us a five-star rating and a very positive 
glowing review. You can follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. You can follow me on Instagram at Tracy Sandler. We are brought to you by Bet Online. And with that, I will talk to everybody next time. Bye, all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.